Sunday morning, and good to see you out there. Um, as we look at the blessed life this week, uh, we hope that your life is blessed, and if not, through our series of messages this month, that you'll find God's blessing in that. And so I think we've got a video clip to run, so let's run We all that. say we want to have a blessed life, but what does that really mean? Is it simply having a nice car, a big house, new clothes? What if a blessed life isn't what you think? What if it's more about what you give away than what you hold on to? What if it's more about the contents of your heart than the contents of your bank account? How do we really live the blessed life? So this morning as we look at how do we really live the blessed life, part two of this message is to let go we all say we of our worries. To let go of our worries. And so let's look at what Jesus has to share with us. We pick up back in the 12th chapter. We were there last week. We were there this Sunday where Jesus turns his attention to his disciples and tells them a story and gives them good teaching on not to worry. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you'll eat or about your body and what you'll wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes so consider the ravens they do not sow or reap they have no storeroom or barn yet God feeds them and how much more valuable are you than birds and who of you by worrying can even add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Now consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith, and do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. Your Father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Lord Jesus. Bless us and be with us this morning and every day. Help us live the blessed life with whatever challenges and worries we have right now. Help us find you in the midst. I pray in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, part of living the blessed life is learning to let go of worry about life. Jesus clearly tells us life is not about worry. 
And that's a great reminder, isn't it? Because it gets easy to worry in today's world. I mean, if you just look around at everything going on, we are experiencing the most inflation we've had since I was like 10 or 12 years old back in the early 80s. We're not used to times with things costing more, not only at the gas station, but at the grocery store, and you have to buy a new car or get a house or place to live. Seems like everything has gone up and is going up. And then the rising interest rates are putting clamps on the economy. So on top of that, there's this fear of recession and fear of things slowing down. And so with all this mix, it gets easy to worry. And that doesn't even include what's going on in Ukraine and Putin continually boasting that you know, if, if things don't go the right way, he might pull out his nuclear weapons or this, that, and the other. And we pray that that war doesn't escalate. But with all these things, it gets easy to watch the news. It gets easy to worry about the election and is my, are my people going to be in charge or are the other people going to be in charge? And what does that mean? And is it good or is it not good? I mean, there is an endless sea of worries that can pull us down. But Jesus today tells us that worry is not to be a primary part of our blessed life. And so how do we overcome worry? Well, to start out, I want to share a quote from you from a guy I went to seminary with. His name is J.D. Walt. J.D. Walt continues to work for Asbury Theological Seminary, uh, even today. He's gotten to do some really cool stuff. He helped Chris Tomlin write a couple of his early songs, which I think is, like, really amazing. Uh, but this is what he says about this scripture and about worry. He says this, Anxiety may be one of the biggest issues of our time as it robs us of so many things. So what is Anxiety. The Oxford Dictionary defines anxiety as a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And psychiatry defines anxiety as a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excess uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. Anxiety is common to humanity. It lives on a spectrum, and we know it when we feel it. But what is it really? And then J.D. says this, Here is my take. Anxiety is the felt experience of being unaware of the presence of God. Anxiety is the felt experience of being unaware of the presence of God. And what we're seeing in this text today is that is exactly Jesus' point. As we look at this together, as he looked at this, he encourages us to look at what theologians call creation theology. That is, what is God as the creator of the universe? What does he do in the world? Uh, you know, what, what laws does he keep? What things does he keep up with? And we can learn a lot about God's goodness, about who he is and what he wants for us, by keeping an eye on things that are going on all around us. And so in looking at that creation th theology, he says, first of all, have you ever noticed the ravens? How the ravens, they don't know how to plant seeds and wait for them to grow and water them and pull weeds and pick 
the fruit at harvest time. They don't know how to do any of that. And they don't have any barns to store up their seeds or worms in, you know, where they can uh, keep them for a rainy day or cold weather. He says, haven't you ever noticed that God gives them what they need every day because he loves them and cares for them? And then he says this, don't you know that you are worth a whole lot more than birds? And so if God's willing to take care of birds on a daily basis, even when they don't know where their next meal is coming, why would you worry? Why would you worry? Because in worrying, he says, can you, can you add an hour to your life? How does worry help? Does it add a foot to your height? No. Our worries don't change anything. And oftentimes, 95% of our worries never come true. And if they do come true, usually we figure out how to work through them. And so Jesus replies to us, watch the ravens and don't worry. You are worth more than them. The second thing he points to is he points to the wildflowers that uh, just grow on their own. He says, haven't you ever looked at the wildflowers and how they grow and how beautiful they can be? They're more beautiful than Solomon in his glorious splendor. And yet we worry about fancy clothes and having a, you know, a, a nice pair of uh, Nike Air Jordans or you know, some other of the latest shoes or the latest jeans with holes in them or, you know, for us old folks, you know, we probably don't wear a whole lot of that stuff, but, but you've got your own things. Whether it's the fancy dress or your 10th pair of shoes, whatever it is, we want to look our best. And he says, but listen, flowers, they don't even try to look their best. And yet, at their peak, they are glorious. And because they're glorious, then why do you worry about your clothes too? Because God knows exactly what you need. And so in light of this, Jesus points to three reasons, at least three reasons, why we don't have to worry. The first one he says is we don't have to worry, as we've talked about. We don't have to worry because you are of more worth than the birds. Your value. He made you special. He created you in his image. And he cares for you. And his presence longs to be with you through your worry. And if you let his presence be active in your life, and the worries will diminish and die. But not only are you worth more than the birds, he says God knows everything you need. God knows everything you need. Really what Jesus is doing here is he's explaining to us that part in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer we just prayed, where we say, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. What does that mean? It means, God, you know what I need today. 
And by faith, I trust you to take care of those needs, whatever they are. I can, I can give that to you. And if my need is food, you'll show me how to get food. If my need's housing, you'll help me get housing. If my need is something else, you'll help me navigate that. That every day, God will take care of us and see us through. And then the third piece that Jesus is talking about in this story that keeps us from worry is we don't have to worry because God is almighty for us. God is powerful enough to do what we need in our lives every day. I think of Oswald Chambers in his book, My Utmost for His Highest. He kind of talks about this principle, how so often we don't look to God as almighty and how because of that we stay empty rather than full. And the scripture he uses is the scripture when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. The Samaritan woman says, Jesus, the well is deep. How are you going to get living water out of it? And sometimes that's where our heart and life and soul is. Our, our, our heart and soul is empty and deep, and we don't know where we're going to get the resources to help. And so this is how he explains it. We limit the Holy One of Israel by remembering what we have allowed him to do for us in the past. And by saying, of course, I cannot expect God to do this thing. The thing that taxes almightiness is the very thing which we as disciples of Jesus ought to believe he will do. And so we impoverish his ministry the moment we forget that he is almighty. The impoverishment is in us. It's not in him. We will come to Jesus as comforter or as sympathizer, but we will not come to him as almighty. The reason some of us are such poor specimens of Christianity is because we have no almighty Christ. We have Christian attributes and experiences, but there is no abandonment to Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. There is no abandonment to Jesus Christ. That's the essential, he says. Because when we get into difficult circumstances, we impoverish his ministry by saying, of course he cannot do anything. And we struggle down the deeps and we try to get water for ourselves. So beware of the satisfaction of sinking back and saying, it can't be done. You know it can. It can be done if you look to Jesus. The well of your incompleteness is deep, but make the effort and look away to him. Make the effort and look away to him. In the story, Jesus tells us that much of the world is racked by worry. The world that doesn't trust in God, the world that doesn't believe God is almighty or that we're valued or that God cares for us, a lot of that world spends their life spinning their wheels and working hard and do whatever they can to make ends meet and to make it work and all those things. 
and their life is run by worry. And Jesus says, it doesn't have to be that way. Now, I want to make one thing clear. As human beings, can we get to the place where we never worry at all? I wish I could, right? But I haven't gotten there yet. But what Jesus is saying here is don't let worry keep on pulling you down. When he talks about worry in these verses, it's a, it's a present tense kind of thing. And present tense in the Greek is always don't let worry keep on worrying you more and more and more. You've got to learn to let it go. And he says the main way to let it go is to get our priority right. To get our priority right. What is the highest priority of your life and faith right now? He says, seek first the Father's kingdom. Seek first the Father's kingdom. If you put your highest priority on experiencing the presence of God in your midst, the almightiness of God, the worth of God, the knowledge of God, if you will have faith, oh little sheep, as if you have faith, then you can let your worries slide away. But it's about priority. It's about keeping first things first. Our priority, he's saying, is not to be food and drink. It's not to be money. It's not to be our job. Not even to be our family. So that's a high priority. Not even to be our nation. So that's a high priority. Not even to be our politics. So that's a high priority. Our number one priority is seek first God's kingdom. And then he gives us great news. He says, you know what? Fear not, little flock, for your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, y'all, that's an amazing statement about who God is for us. Your father has been pleased and is pleased to give you the kingdom. God wants us to find the blessed life. God wants us to be free of worry. God wants us on his path to heaven and to experience the reality of that eternal life and spiritual power right here, right now, today, by how we live and the choices we make and the things we do. And so because we can have confidence that God has our back, because we can have confidence that he's never lost a battle, because we can have that confidence, he encourages us to be generous, to make a difference, and to live for him. Verse 33, sell your possessions, give to the poor, so that you'll make purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where a thief can't steal your money or a moth destroy your goods. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, when we begin seeking first the kingdom, our priorities get shifted. And when our priorities get shifted, we realize that even in an inflationary economy, we don't have to grasp our stuff. Instead of trying to grasp it and keep it for ourselves, we can still, by faith, be generous. We can still, by faith, help those who are struggling in Florida and the Caribbean. We can still, by faith, uh, 
be a blessing to the poor here in Rockdale County. Just this week, a lady came by and said, Chris, I don't have any gas to get home to Covington. Could you come help me with gas? I was like, okay, I, I hadn't helped her in six months or something. So I was like, yeah, sure. So, you know, just I took a little bit of money and filled up her gas tank just because she asked. Those are the kind of things that Jesus says. This sets our heart not on worry about earthly things, but it sets our heart on eternity, on eternal things, on things that will last. And as we develop a heart that is connected to heaven, we develop this awareness of the presence of God that gives us strength to trust in him rather than to worry about our stuff. And so I challenge you today, what's your priority? How can you step out in faith and live into this kingdom principle of trusting him and caring and sharing what God has given you? I close with this story. Um, it's one of my favorite stories of, of faith that I know about. Uh, it's uh, from Bill Bright. I don't know if any of y'all know the name Bill Bright. He died, uh, gosh, about 15 years ago, I think. But Bill Bright is the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Now they just call it Crew because crusade sounds like a war. Uh, but he was the head of Crew. He started it uh, and launched it and grew it up. And now Crew serves in many ministries all over the world with like 20,000, 30,000 staff members. It's one of the largest Christian parachurch ministries in the world. But Bill Bright, in the mid-90s, he was coming to the end uh, of his time leading Crew. He was coming to retirement time. In the mid-90s, one of the things that had happened is Russia's walls had come falling down, right? Communism was ending. The doors in Russia and Ukraine and other places were opening for the first time since 1920 to the gospel of Jesus and the hope of Christ. And here, as he gets close to retirement, he sees this wall fall down. He's praying, and as he prays, he... Uh, he hears God's voice say, uh, Bill, I want you to do something for me in Eastern Europe. He says, oh, Lord, what do you want to do? He says, I want to start a Christian school there where I can raise up disciples, I can raise up followers of Jesus and help spread the gospel in that area that has been so neglected for the last 80 years. He says, well, great, Lord, how are we going to do that? He said, Bill, we're going to do that with your retirement money. And Bill Bright said, what? I'm like four or five years from retirement, God. How are you going to do that with my retirement money? So you're going to give me your retirement money. We're going to invest in this, and we're going to see what God does. And uh, so he had to wrestle, right? Is this from God or not? To give away a significant part of his retirement in order to do something that needed to be done for God's glory in Eastern Europe. And so by faith, he didn't let worry pull him back or anxiety. Instead, he steps out in faith, and he goes and he begins to build this new educational campus in Eastern Europe. And shortly after this, shortly after he, he retired, kind of in the late 90s, he started having health issues. And one of his health issues was he had a, kind of a lung fibrosis that was destroying his lungs he had a harder and harder time breathing. But now he's having medical expenses, and he doesn't have as much retirement as he had counted on. 
Lord, what are you going to do now? You told me to give my retirement away. What am I to do now? And what the Lord did is in that new uh, educational place that he had invested his funds in, there was a young lady that was there that was a nurse, training to be a nurse, who heard about Dr. Bright's need for a nurse to care for his lungs. And she left Eastern Europe, came to the United States, and was Bill Bright's personal nurse for the next three years as he dealt with his health issue of, of fibrosis. And he eventually died in like 2004, 2005. Brothers and sisters, that's the kind of faith I want to have. Is that the kind of faith you want to have? That you could give away most of your retirement, trusting that if the need came, God would know that need and answer that need so that you would have everything you would need. That's the kind of God we believe in. He is almighty, and you're worth it, and he knows what you need. So when he speaks for you to be generous and have faith, don't hold back, but seek first his kingdom, and you'll get everything else to boot. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank